Are you Pastor Dave? I am. I'm Martin Ye. Nice to meet you. My friend Josh Beaton said you might be able to answer my questions about God. Well, that definitely falls within my job description. How many questions have you got? So far, 147. Is something wrong? <laughs> Previously on The Film Room. I read a number of Christians, fundamentalist, diehard Christians, who said, I want to apologize. There's an ugliness to it. This is a movie with some really sick values. It's a really shitty Magnolia. That's what it is. Then there's the uh, Chinese the, kid who every yeah. sequence with his father is bad because I, he winds up alienating his father. And yeah. by the way, he talks like a disgusting stereotype. It's like, what's the implication here? He's he's from China, so that obviously means he's a godless communist, right? Which is not actually accurate. Yeah. The Christian faith is actually very successful in China. Love is the most overused word in the English language. This movie isn't bad because of the writing, because of the laziness. No, it's bad because this is how these people see people who don't believe in Jesus. This is exactly how the filmmakers see people who have not accepted Christ into their life. Yeah. Yeah. When commenting on the final scene with Kevin Sorbo's character, producers of the film stated, quote, We felt like we did a good thing. There was a sense of completion and warmth as the principal actors and extras looked over his dead atheist body. In full Christian spirit, he did away with evil. Really a very beautiful thing. He's not dead. Um, I beg to differ. He's very dead. He's, he's, he's dead. I mean, he's, he's, he, he's not mostly alive. He, right. He's dead. For our protagonist who's, you know, Christian or whatever, and giving these really base arguments, how does he not know apologetics? That should be something like his youth group, or he should have had apologetics. He should know this stuff. Fundamentally, I can tell y'all that what, what I'm really gleaning from this current wave of Christian movies, though, is that the sad truth is a lot of them are following this one's stance. Yeah. Hateful, strawman characters. I'm going to fanfiction.net. Oh, 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 oh. oh boy. Oh. There is at least one slash story for this movie. Shit. I fist bumped the person that did that. Thank you. God's Not Dead 2 is coming out. Yeah, yeah, that was shot in Little Rock. Oh, yeah. I passed by the shooting of it a few times on my way to work. I don't want to talk about it. Um, am I going to see it? Probably. I'm I'm never coming back to this movie. I'm never going to revisit it. I, no. I have no desire. I have nothing. I'm done. Thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, guys. It's been real fun. It's been solid. We, we really we, we, we want to have you back and Hopefully, let's do let's do a good movie next time. Yeah. Yes. Please. Yes. <laughs> Thomas and I are warmed up. So. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Lola's milk drunk. So. Nice. Good.
Yeah. <laughs> I've got raspberry lemonade loaded with caffeine. Let's just let's burn this mother down. Oh my yes. god. We finally reached this moment. We've been like when was the God's Not Dead cast? It was back in February, I think. Yeah, really? way back in February. Jesus. We've been planning this ever since that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're here. All right. Here we are. Let's let's do this. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. We have a guest with us today. It's Thomas returning. Yes, I am back. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Yeah. We have been promising this for months. And promising this since before the first one, or before the second one came out. That's yep. True. That's true. Yeah, and Tom- Thomas has been speaking of this since that he's been he's been getting us ready. Yes, <laughs> yep. it's. Uh... <laughs> I had to warn you guys it it's uh, it was quite an experience. It's an ordeal. It's yeah. an ordeal. It's not quite a doozy like the first one. But Nope. Yeah. That's oh, right. We are back on God, we are back to the world of God's Not Dead. For God's Not Dead to Yeah, that <laughs> no sub no snarky subtitle can do it justice because this is a thing that exists. God's Not yes. Dead. God's not dead to the streets. <laughs> God's not dead, the quickening. That's right. To God, too dead. <laughs> God's not dead, the squeakle. The squeakle. Oh, Jesus. Live God and dead harder. <laughs> oh, we can... We could do this all day. We could do this for like uh, two hours, and that would be our cast. <laughs> and it would be smarter than the movie we watched. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I know we say this often, but where do you start on a film like this? Well, let's start off by uh, just getting the plot of this movie out of the way as quickly as we can, so that we can then break it apart piece by piece. Yes. The story of the movie, in one sentence, is a teacher nearly loses her job after she makes a casual reference to uh, Jesus in a school and has to then fight for her job. That's the main plot. Yeah, and uh, the main word there is casual. Casual. She does quote a scripture, but it is in context to what they're talking about. But what makes nonviolence so radical is its unwavering commitment to a nonviolent approach, not just initially, but in the face of escalating persecution by the opposing force. Isn't that sort of like what Jesus meant when he said that we should love our enemies? Yes. Uh, The writer of the Gospel of Matthew records Jesus as saying, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you will be children of your father in heaven, which indicates a commitment to nonviolence. Dr. King confirmed the link, describing his inspiration from scripture, saying Christ furnished the spirit and motivation while Gandhi furnished the method. Yes, in an yes. AP history class. So there, that's, that's the plot of the movie. Let's proceed to list everything that this movie gets wrong because that's going to take up the entirety of the cast. Mm-hmm. 
let's give a little bit of background on this movie too. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, of course, the se- the sequel to the unbelievably successful, and I mean unbelievably successful, because I cannot picture how this movie was that successful in the first place. God's not dead. This one seems to take place in the same universe, but it's rather transparently obvious. This was a script that was obviously planned. Now, even though it did, does actually come from the same writers and same director, I have real trouble believing this movie was ever planned as a like in its initial inception as a sequel. I think it was probably retrofitted at least a little bit earlier than Tin Cloverfield Lane was retrofitted, for example. Yeah, there's a movie I'd rather see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that one twice in theater, so, you know, make of that... Also, I have a, an audio review of it. I, I'm pretty loud on the fact I think that movie is just absolutely... God, I would be I would infinitely rather be watching that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, like yeah, I'm, last night I tried piecing together how exactly this universe works because ideal ideally this takes place a few months after the events of God's Not Dead. Yeah, right. because of Martin. Martin seems to be the character that's suggesting this takes place a few months after. Now, which character which, is Martin? Um, the Chinese guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's the fact that her, the, that the reporter's cancer is in remission. Yes. Yeah. However, given the fact that it was this day one of the fall semester in the first one, ideally, all of the leaves should have fallen off by now. But no, it's green. Yeah. Yeah, that's because this was shot, I think, in the spring, I think. Uh, yeah. Spring or summer. I think it was the, yeah, it was like the spring. Yeah, it because because unfortunately you you were there. What like was it last year or this year? Last year it was, it was last year. It was oh, last year. So yeah, yeah, this is our first time that we're going to have to address the unfortunate fact that this that this thing was shot in my hometown. My condolences. Yeah, yeah. likewise. Yeah. But but and, and I'll get more into that later. But yeah, um, I think it was shot in the springs. I drove by a few shooting locations every so often. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I watched this movie living in horror that I might have accidentally been an extra in it. <laughs> um, we'll we'll get into the geography of this movie and all of the things that it gets wrong about its locations in a later on. But yeah, but yes. as I said, this movie it. It definitely was not shot in the same locations because the original movie was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, This movie was shot entirely in Arkansas, which is, by the way, the source of a lot of plot holes in this movie, let me just point out. So Uh it's not really clear when it takes place compared to it. Um, The main character of the movie, Josh Wheaton, is only referenced once, and that's it. I missed it. I completely missed that reference, too. Yeah, it was uh, when uh, Martin met up with uh, the white half of the biracial pastoral romance at the university. A.K.A. the main half of this, in this movie. Yeah, 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 the main half. That guy might as well have not been there. He was just back because. He was just back because. Yeah, the the biracial pastoral romance is uh, back. The reporter is back. And they're all in just very tangential supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin might as well have been cut out of the film. Yes. His plot adds nothing to the main plot. When you get right down to it, uh, Pastor Dave, uh, the 
biracial broma- uh, bromance, uh, that might not, they might as well not have been in the film because they don't really impact the story at all. No. Nah. And nah. the reporter kind of impacts the story. Kind of. And then there's that, uh, the dinner service guy, like the yeah. car salesman from the first one who just shows up serving them. Right. Dinner. Because sequel. Yeah. Right. It took me a second to figure out, like, who he was and what he was talking about when he said sorry for the car not starting thing it's like oh yeah why why are you here (laughs) why are you here unnamed supporting character plot it's to it's it's to graft this onto the first movie by the way if all of this sounds familiar in that there are a few characters back but they don't really impact the story at all you might be remembering our Birdemic 2 Christmas cast. Yes, and of course, uh, our God's Not Dead cast, where a lot of plots are welded on that have nothing to do with the main plot. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm actually going to challenge y'all, because I've been thinking this ever since I watched this movie last week. Who is the main character of this movie? <laughs> Let's play that game. Yeah, because the first viewing, I, I would have thought, oh, it's a... Uh, not, not Brooke, the... Grace, Grace Wesley, the the teacher, because like, subtlety, yeah, right. But but no, it, it seems more or less to be uh, uh, our lawyer guy. Uh, at least in my notes, a sexy McLawyer face. <laughs> or but that's uh, but autocorrect changed his name, so we're going to go with a different name. Yes, lawyer <laughs> McLarge huge. Lawyer McLarge huge. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even remember his actual name. That That's how little impact he's had. On Unfortunately, me. because of my nine-hour excursion, I do remember it. <laughs> but it... Oh, and it's not really all that subtle either. Yeah. He's the one that's the skeptic, but he's involved in this, and he does come to faith, so he's named Tom. Tom. Tom? Yeah. Crap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I don't get the significance of the name Tom other than we have a Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Oh, shit. Yes. This movie Uh, is blissfully subtle, isn't it? mm Mm-hmm. Like like the blunt edge of a club. That's what this movie is. It's about as subtle as Christian White from Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Yeah. 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 A movie that we are never doing on this cast because, as far as I'm concerned, Brad Jones owns it now and forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie is just uh, oh boy, this movie. Um, that's just it. You can't figure out who the main character of this movie is because it doesn't ever really give you the concrete. You know, it's like okay, you can't figure out say who the main character is of Magnolia to point out an infinitely better. Infinitely yes. better movie, but that's okay because it's clearly a mutual, um, an all-around point of view movie, and everybody gets equal focus. In this movie, there are characters that seem to be important, but who really aren't. And so let's start with Grace because she doesn't ever really seem at all in focus. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart is atro- is atrocious in this movie. Yeah, she she kind of I couldn't even put my finger on it. She. Kind of blunders her way through it. Yeah. She's not, like, she really and truly, I'm going to point something out. She was on TV at about the same time that Michelle Williams was on uh, Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. 
And I point that out just to like make everybody just to make everybody consider that they were both on stuff that was again, maybe not aimed at the most adult age groups. And yet there must have been some minor difference there because I, I, I have just cited an actress who is unbelievably much more talented than her heart is. There's a reason I'm, I'm basically trying to make the point. There's a reason that some people go on to adult careers and others don't. Well, to cite another example, um, Williams uh, co-star in uh, that was uh, in Dawson's Creek was Joshua Jackson, who started on the Mighty Ducks movies and has gone on to a long, successful career as an adult actor, having done stuff like Dawson's Creek and then going on to Fringe. Um, he's been on The Affair, which he got good reviews for. He's an excellent actor. He's, he's someone I actually really like. And Fringe is, oh my God, I love Fringe so much. <laughs> Fringe is fun. Yeah, my, my point is, my point is that these are actors that went that were basically doing the same stuff. Why has Hart never evolved? It's because she's really not very good. No. Also no. because she is notoriously unlikable. She is n- notoriously unlikable. When she was shooting the movie in Little Rock, one, the uh, daughter of one of the people at the ADG waited on her at uh, a restaurant in town and said she was just absolutely human garbage to everybody at the restaurant. Arrogant, stuck up, and spoiled. And that's how I've heard she's been described by pretty much everybody. So she's a sitcom actress trying... Now, that's actually not fair, because when I think of how many great people have been on sitcoms, she's a (laughs) kid sitcom actress. There we go. Trying to be the dramatic center of this movie, and she's playing this teacher. Mm Mm-hmm. She's she's pretty pathetic in the movie, and it's not an accident that uh, at the end of the movie, in what should be her grand dramatic moment, the plot entirely, the focus entirely shifts to her lawyer making her cry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which Hart does not do a very good job at. She's just bad in this movie. Uh, we haven't even broached on what the actual plot is supposed to be. Yeah, let's do that because I just had to get I just had to mostly get my venting about how bad she was in this movie out of the way because and in general <laughs> and in general yeah. yeah I mean there's a great story by the way about her running a Kickstarter that failed to get money because all of the rewards were absolutely pathetic like have one of the no name actors in the movie follow you on Twitter <laughs> what. I have people who are actual names follow me on Twitter. Yeah, same. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, I'm not even getting into that. Nah. Okay, Grace makes a casual reference in the most unrealistic AP history class ever depicted on screen. Yes. Okay, for 500 points, for all the cheese for the game, this quote is from what document? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Oh, baby! All right, team one, what's your answer? Our answer is the Declaration of Independence. That's correct, team Like, the first time I watched it, when they showed her, like, playing the game with, with the stapler or whatever. Oh, my God. Voice game. The 500 point question about. Oh, God, you caught this too. Yes. And I, I, I want to say for the record, the first viewing, 
the the first viewing I had was with my my good friend Theodore, and I want to get that stated on the record. We we, we honor agreed, the fallen. We agreed that uh, like back when we saw Zootopia, we saw the poster for God's Not Dead Two. We hissed at it, and I, I told him that you guys wanted me to watch the second one. <laughs> I months later. I picked up a copy of God's Not Dead 2, and I did not open the seal until I got the go-ahead. <laughs> you did not break the seal. <laughs> yes, I, I, I did not want to break the seal until we got the go-code. And uh, we sat there pissed, unbelievably pissed, and he noticed that the textbook was the same one he used for his AP U.S. history. Mm -hmm. And when we sat there, and it's the 500-point question for one of the easiest answers that no kid should have had to struggle with. Especially 16-year-olds. Yes. Juniors. In AP U.S. history. <laughs> and we're like, oh, this is going to go over well. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, that's a question that sh that would have been a 500. It wouldn't have even it been a 500. It should have been a 100 point question. Mm -hmm. Well, least. no, it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't have even been asked because that's so obvious. You're in you're in AP US history. You should be well above this by now. Hey, listen, I just I just watched an episode of Animaniacs uh, where it showed Thomas Jefferson writing exactly those words. And it's like it's like okay. They didn't even mention what the document was until, like, the end, because, hey, every kid probably knows that. Yeah. Th that's the thing. But this movie, and the fact that they struggle with it, I was just sitting there going, oh, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Because my, my brother said that he jokingly referred to the fact that all those kids would get twos on the AP test. Yes. <laughs> oh, this would have... This, this, they, and let me point out, by the way, I, I, I did a year of uh, AP history. Um, I wound up leaving because, eh, I, I didn't really have, I had other classes that I was focusing on. My AP track I wound up going on was English. Mm -hmm. But this was just, this was insulting. Yeah. Because AP history is hard. Yeah, they even, they even, like, you could see them. Like kind of congregate around each other and go, oh, what could it be? Could what it be what could it be? What could, could it be? be this? And then and then one of them's like, oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. And then they race to the front and then they're like, oh, it says with uncertainty, um, the the Declaration of Independence. It's like, and, and well, then, yeah. Then and then Grace is like, oh, let me be suspenseful for a moment. Let me patronize you further. <laughs> Do you know what the only way this scene would have made sense is? Is if the uh, preamble to it had been okay? Do a shot every time you lose a question, <laughs> because that's the only way this would have made sense. Would have been if those kids were blind drunk, in which case Grace deserves to lose her job anyway. Yeah, but there are reasons Grace deserves to lose her job. Let's be clear, but we're going to get into that. So anyway, she's in this class. She makes a this token casual reference. And this is where I get to stop the discussion and list some of the things that I heard in actual Arkansas schools. 
because this movie does set itself in Arkansas. There are state flags and multiple points in this movie. And it's a public school, too. And it's a public school. So here's a list of some things that I heard in Arkansas public schools. I heard that homosexuals were people who were not taught proper gender roles. I had a teacher go off on a long rant about how women shouldn't work. We did do readings of the Bible. Um, in Now, it was in my literature class, and we were doing it as literature. Right. Um, so, you know, we certainly... You know, when it came time to discuss Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who is brought up in this movie as a straw man, um, mm-hmm. we did discuss his religious work. We did discuss various religions. Some of this stuff was fine. Some of it, you know, like the whole homosexuals thing, that really enraged me, and I'm glad that that wasn't actually put on a test. I had teachers who repeatedly discussed their religion in classes, and I mean way harder than this. I mean, way harder. I had math teachers who discussed their religion. So the entire plot of this movie automatically is bullshit. Not not to mention that if she wanted to teach at a local Christian school, which the universe does not set up in, in the film, but I'm sure there are some within there are the three, district. There are yeah. three major extremely well-funded schools one a couple of blocks from my house he could have taught there and we could have gone on without having this movie yes but no we gotta have it set in a public school because jesus enrages everyone except by the way that again this movie is set in arkansas yeah i cannot stress enough how much this movie blows it by just by that very setting so uh, so okay so she makes this casual reference that again really is something that would be a discussion in a remedial course frankly yeah also what was the point of gandhi being in ap u.s history (laughs) i don't shut up i i wasn't an ap shut up just shut up because that's what this movie would tell you to do so yeah, Gandhi's in there. Yeah, Gandhi. But seriously, if you have to be taught about the history of nonviolence, that's stuff we learned in fifth grade. Okay? If not earlier. We covered this stuff before. But the idea but this but this is necessary because it has to establish the idea that because Brooke, the girl who's asking this question, wasn't raised in a Christian environment. Um, it's set up very clearly that her family are atheists. Very so rationalist, knows. free thinkers, what have you. Mm-hmm. Very whatever. Mil- very militant. And so it's established that she knows nothing of religion because, you know, and of religious ideas, ignoring, by the way, the fact that we live in a culture that is permeated with it at every order. <clears throat> and, and honestly, if they were, like, so so gung-ho about uh you know free thinking blah 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 blah. they would let her daughter think whatever she wanted yeah but you have to remember free thinking doesn't actually mean free thinking it means violently opposed to religion which is what it means in this movie yeah (sighs) i i'm gonna say i hate this movie yet again because i i do hate this movie she doesn't know anything about it so she's shocked by this idea that 
because she's been reading a Bible for the first time. Her brother's Bible. Her oh, yeah, we forgot to mention her brother died. And her family doesn't care. They're like, just get rid of his shit. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the, yeah. So the Salvation Army comes to take it away from... You mean that charity place? Yeah, that... <clears throat> I can't oh. even... <sighs> Speaking of Salvation Army, um, in the... In the DVD, when I opened up the, the seal, there was a little leaflet inside oh, no. that had that listed the ministry partners. On the front, Salvation Army. On the back, um, Convoy of Hope, which was briefly referenced in yeah. in the court, as well as like the human right to know Jesus, whatever that is. But I. Uh. It's like, okay, Salvation Army's going to be in this film. Okay, how prominent. Yeah. They come and take away their things, and then the one lady's like, oh, I found, this fell out of your brother's box. Here's a Bible. <laughs> Which, by the way, the woman that plays that role is actually a well-known local actress who's in, like, all the productions here. Oh, nice. So, that just, so that just, that's just an angering thing. Let me, here's all, by the way, Here's a plot hole right there. They're hardcore free thinkers, and yet they don't call Goodwill? Right. Which, by the way, Goodwill is much bigger in Little Rock than Salvation Army. So she doesn't. Call, they don't call Goodwill? I mean, Goodwill has like four or five huge epic stores here in Little Rock. That would have been who would have been called first. Or Savers. I mean, there are other people that would have been called before the Salvation Army, but... Uh, there's ha- hell. There's Habitat for Humanity's restore. Yeah, and Habitat for Humanity is okay. They're the, the guy that's best known for being linked with them is deeply religious, but they're not a religious organization. Right. Not, not really. I mean, see, see, see. But see, I'm, I'm. Jimmy Carter founded that, right? Yeah. Well, you know what they say: the good die young, but Jimmy Carter's determined to destroy that rule. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just every day that he's alive, it's like okay. Now there's one good person out there. Yes. But anyway, neither here nor there. Here's the point. That's another plot hole. And we haven't God, we're, we're getting through all these plot holes and we haven't even gotten to the meat of the movie. So anyway, Grace makes this reference. Here's a here is a plot canyon. She makes this reference and a student texts it and like shares it and it goes viral that the teacher mentioned Jesus. Again, if you're in an actual public school... Who the fuck did he text? Yeah, that's never <laughs> Here, explained. Here's... And then here's another plot hole, too, although this is probably just a mistake on the filmmaker's part. His phone clearly states it's 3.25 in the afternoon when this reference is being made. If it had in been the, the courtroom, end. this incident took place in second period. Oops. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's that's just a, that's just a mistake. Continuity error. Oops. So here's the thing. Number one, why does anybody give a shit? Is my first question. Why does anybody give a shit? Yeah. Number two, who does he text? Number three, why do they care enough to do anything? Why does anybody care? Again, if you're in a history class and you and somebody makes a casual reference. To the fact, this whole ridiculous idea that, you know, this this idea that really is just beyond 
obvious and just beyond, you know, easy, who would care? That's the problem that this movie gets going. She didn't preach a sermon to the class. She didn't say women shouldn't be ministers, which I've heard in an actual public school, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. I've heard a teacher say that. (sighs) Yeah, you you see why this movie was a comedy to me? Who cares? I mean, just who cares? But then there's the other element of the movie, which is that Grace has been mentoring to Brooke outside of school. Actually, we should get into – we'll save that for the courtroom discussion because I want to yes. get into that later. Yes. So anyway, Grace gets called on this, and she's brought before the school board and asked to disavow what she said, asked to apologize for it. Uh, so the after, after bringing in lawyers. So this is, like, bringing in this is like the second or third meeting. Mm. So she's asked to apologize. Um, her school board rep doesn't much like her. Oh, God, there's that whole thing. Uh, She's, you know, she's called out for it, but, you know, she's told, oh, come on, you know, blah, 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 you know, apologize, and this will all go away. And this is where we establish maybe the only character trait that Grace gets, which is she's stubborn. Mm -hmm. She won't apologize for it because she thinks she did nothing wrong. Let's be clear. She did nothing wrong. She, yeah. 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 She did nothing wrong that we know about yet. But what she did there, but but what she's going to actually go to trial for, and by the way, the movie makes it very nebulous what the trial is. It's not completely clear. Why it's not completely clear is simple. Because in the real world, this would have gone to arbitration. In the real world, this never would have gone anywhere near a courtroom. It Because uh, I looked up some of the mistakes that this movie made, and this is one of them. They said, look, in the real world, this never would have gotten anywhere near a courtroom. It would have never even been considered a court case. It would have never gone to trial. Nothing. It never would have happened. I kept I kept saying repeatedly during this film, it's like, I really wish I was a lawyer so I could roll my eyes harder at this film. Yeah, but in reality, yeah. of course, this never would have happened. But But that's the thing. For this movie to exist, we have to... Just like the first one, we have to disregard anything about how this would have actually happened. In reality, it would have gone to arbitration. It would have, you know, and what would have really happened is the school would have settled. Except, again, for the fact that none of this would have ever, you know, like, we're, we're trying to get into hypotheticals here about situations that never would have even gotten this far. Again, when you've been taught that homosexuals are, are people who've been taught poor gender roles, nothing feels off the table in real life. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem that this movie has. But anyway, since we're going to play along with this movie's goofy little game, in real life it would have ended in a settlement and Grace would have been shit-canned. Yeah, but that's not going to make for an interesting movie that is uh, two hours and one minute. Christian movies used to be 30 minutes. <laughs> the Can first movie back? was shorter, Okay. The, the first God's Not Dead was shorter. The problem wasn't that they needed to extend it. Actually, it was two I hours. Think the first movie was like, I think the first movie was only like a minute shorter, actually. I think it was like an hour 50 or something like that. It was it was, it was punishing is what it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, then it felt longer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Not that this felt short. I checked my watch multiple times, which I never do. But anyway, so so anyway, we've got this plot going that makes no sense. Um, it's then rushed to trial, and then the ACLU is brought in. Let's point out a big problem that this thing that this movie gets wrong. The ACLU would be brought in. Mm-hmm. On the other side. On the other side. I thought about that multiple times. Every time they mentioned it, it's like, uh, no. Because the movie names the ACLU. The movie yeah. names them. Which, by the way, they would, if it wasn't for the fact that they are so devoted to free speech, they could sue this movie for slander and win. Yes. Yeah. Although, going by uh, what one of my uh, school teachers called them, keep in mind I went to a Catholic school my entire life, it... He referred to them as the Antichrist League of Underminers. <laughs> the ACLU only gets involved against against religion when it's used to cram it down people's throats. The only thing I can think of with that description is, uh, Behold the Underminer! I'm <laughs> below you, but nothing is below me! <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Quit bringing up better movies. <laughs> This, this, this movie, oh, this movie, this, so the ACLU would, would look at this case and go, okay, this woman's being, this woman is being fi fired under ridiculous reasons. Yes, we'll step in. But of course, they're the bad guys and they're led by the subtly named Kane, played by Ray Weiss, who is way too good for this movie. Yeah. Now ask any fourth grader. They're probably familiar with the phrase that gum you like is going to come back in style. My problem with uh, Ray Weiss being in this movie is that I've only known him as Leland Palmer from Twin Peaks. Yeah. And knowing what he did on Twin Peaks makes this all the more horrifying. It does. It's ugh. he he's too good. He is way too good for this movie. Uh, he he has previously, by the way, played Satan in a yes. in a show. So that really subtleties in Reaper, yeah, yeah. So subtlety, you know. He, I, I, I think he. What makes him so good in this movie is that he honestly is a little. He's kind of the inverse of Kevin Sorbo in, in the first movie, in that he's more subtle than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he's obviously evil, but he does it subtly. He does it charmingly. Mm -hmm. He's not ridiculous. He's plausible. You believe this guy is a lawyer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's the benefit of having hired an actual actor. Once again, I kept I kept wishing that uh, lawyers from popular media would show up. I kept wishing from, for Vinny to show up for my cousin Vinny. Yeah. Uh... Ms. Vito, please answer the question. Does the defense's case hold water? No. The defense is wrong. He would have blown several holes in all of this. This movie... Well, as I pointed out last night uh, in the chat, this movie... That movie's actually taught in, in law schools. Yeah. Yeah, it's taught in law schools because it's, because it's legal work is so good that it's like, here, here is a movie that actually gets it right. This movie will also be taught in law schools. The same way that the core is taught in uh, 
the geology classes. Yeah, that's because that's what this is. So anyway, they go to uh, trial, and of course, she gets a scrappy underdog lawyer. And this is where I get to stop and talk about the novelization. Mm. Mm. Okay, in the novelization, the main characters that we see the point of view of are kind of Brooke, who kind of gets focus here. Amy, the uh, blogger, who gets way more time in the novelization. I mean, she gets maybe a quarter of the book. If, wow. Maybe more. Maybe more, actually. Maybe more like a third, because she's in it that much. Like, her whole new approach that her blog is on, that takes up a giant portion of the novelization. Well, here it's basically nothing. There's nothing. Mm. Yeah. It's it's two lines. It's it's two lines. And then there's Tom. Tom gets a massive chunk of the novelization. Here are some things that happen to Tom in the novel that don't happen in the movie. We get his entire backstory. We get his story with we get long scenes with him and his grandmother. We get long scenes with him and his father. We get long scenes longer scenes with him and Grace. We get so we get scenes of him with his buddies. We get scenes with him. He is he's at least half the book. He really is the majority of the story. He is the point of view character. He is the main character. And none of that is in the movie. I am convinced that Christian novelizationists are underrated in terms of what they do. Because I am applauding that novelization writer because he crafted a coherent whole out of this story. Because he made so much stuff up. He just added so many scenes to this to make it coherent. Uh, Travis, Travis Thrasher is the writer's name, and he deserves all the applause in the world for what he created out of this. <laughs> wow. Because he actually made something pretty good of something pretty awful. So my hat is off to him. He did something special there. So you just have that going on that Tom gets, he gets almost nothing in this movie. We get one scene where Kane looks him up and walks up to him and, you know, gives him this long, this, it's not even long, it's brief. It's like, you know, I, I've lo- I read up on you. You were, you know, graduated high in your class, blah, blah, blah. And we yeah. never get anything else. Now, there may have been some deleted scenes. It wouldn't surprise me to learn that there's maybe as much as an hour of deleted footage for this movie. Thomas? There actually isn't. Uh, well, at least on the I, DVD. Yeah, on, on the DVD, there's, uh, yeah, not much. All of the deleted stuff went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, well, all of the stuff in the movie went nowhere, so let's not kid ourselves. Oh, my God. <sighs> I, uh, Damage and I didn't like this movie. Yeah. Am, am I being subtle about it? No. Um, the, the jury selection. The oh. jury selection. This is where the biracial uh, pastor bromance comes back in. Yeah. Listen, I've been on... Let's see. My experience with jury selection is... Uh, for one, you know, there's that, there's that tiny, tiny bit of jury selection that's present in uh, My Cousin Benny. For two... I have actually been in the process of jury selection. Let me tell you, it does not go like that. No, this, this, it's almost, this, it feels like all they did was watch A Time to Kill and uh, then steal it from there. 
this is comical. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a joke. The one note that I have here is like Ray Ray Weiss asks the one one guy what his favorite show is, and it's Duck <laughs> Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. That throw that that tears the entire universe apart though. It does. Because Brooke is part like she's played by one of the Robertsons. No, it's her friend that's played by one of the Robertsons. Well, what Whatever. One of the Robertsons exists in this movie oh, as it, not Robertson. It gets worse. It's the daughter of the two that were in the first movie. That's some friggin' last action hero shit right there. Yeah. And this reminds this reminds me of the bit on uh, Thirty Rock when uh, Liz is trying to remember um, a movie that Matt Damon was in, or but she's trying to remember a, a character that uh, Matt Damon played, and she can't remember that Damon played the part. Because at that time on the show, her boyfriend was played by Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, no. Yeah, that's 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 that. Yeah. So right there, you've got a celebrity paradox. Yeah. And the pastor clearly does not give a shit about his uh, jury duty. Yeah. Which in real life would be fine. Because in real life, here's how it would go. You're a pastor, yeah, the judge would immediately step in and be like, get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is no way that he would actually be allowed to serve on that jury because he would be too biased. He would be too prejudiced. It would just, there would be no way. It would be an instant mistrial if he was allowed to serve on that jury. Mm-hmm. And he was on the jury, so... But but let's be clear, he winds up affecting that part of the plot in zero way because he gets appendicitis. Yes. Mm-hmm. For... Okay, the movie does actually depict appendicitis accurately, but you don't get points for that. That's easy. I've had appendicitis. Let me tell you, it, it feels like that. It feels like that. But again, you don't get points for that because that's a common experience. Though apparently history classes are not common. I'm sorry. I'm still not over that. Um, I'm not going to be over that. So, yeah. So, so all of that happens. So pastor Dave is out of the movie. Now, why was pastor Dave in the movie in the first place? Well, we'll get to that. Well, let's just go ahead and get to that now. He's really only in the movie to set up the third one. Yes. He's, he is a movie long sequel bait, which the plot they brought up for that, which is, Oh, uh, for, that confused me so much because it was like because it's a terrible, terrible idea. It is just like just like this one. Uh, basically, they s- like there's like a board of ministers or whatever they are like having lunch, and the head minister comes in and says, "Hey, we just got subpoenas, and they want us to submit all our sermons." Um, why? That would never happen. That would never happen. It would never it would never happen because I know for a fact that some priests improvised their sermons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw it last night at church. A lot of them do. Yeah. Yeah. And to ask for three months worth of sermons. Which is the opposite. A lot of a lot of a lot of priests. A lot of clergy do their sermons based on what's going on in the world. It's a response to that. Mm -hmm. But more to the point, who is demanding this and why are they demanding it? And 
Also, are we aware that it's not that we don't yet live in a fascist dictatorship? Yeah. Yet. Yet. Um. God, but yeah, that that would that, never happen. That plot confused me because it's like, okay, is this part of the trial? And then it's like, no, it's, I guess it's just a thing. And yeah, then at the end when he like resolutely refuses to do it, well, which. They only depict as him like picking the letter, writing up, a letter, writing a letter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, then the post credit scene is him getting arrested for contempt of court, which that would would never happen. Um, um, is that like QB in contempt of court when there's no court yet? It, I, you know what? It, let's let's save let's save all of our thoughts on that for if they ever make a third one, yeah. and they might not actually. I'm going to talk about that um, at the end of this. But um, anyway, by the way, that scene does have one of my favorite, just absolutely baffling things in the movie, which is there's that police car ah, that's with what the word Hope about. Springs. Badly, it was either photoshopped in post production or just badly stuck on with a sticker. For Hope Springs Police, yeah, it, I know. it was composited. What? There, yeah, it was composited onto the car. There's Obviously. actually a VFX featurette on the D on the DVD, which, yeah, that's worse than just getting a sticker and putting it on the damn car. Well, Cancer Girl, that that's not even the color of her Prius. It's actually blue. Okay, why? I don't know. They showed it in the featurette, and it goes from blue to green. And I'm like, why? Why? I don't but, know. But let's be clear about that. I knew it was – I figured it was probably uh, composited because, number one, I know what those police cars actually look like. That actually, of course, said Little Rock because, mm-hmm. you know, because it's obviously a Little Rock police car. I, I've seen a few of those is all I'm saying. I've just seen a few. You know. Over a lifetime of living in Little Rock. Yeah. Oh my god. It just... Uh, it's just... Uh. In fact, can we stop now? Can I pause now so I can talk about all the things this movie gets wrong about Arkansas? By the way, one one more thing before... Uh, why does everybody drive a Prius? Um, uh, Those are awfully oh, liberal cars. Yeah. So why is, why is everybody driving one then <laughs> in this movie? Well, Brooks' parents are driving a Lexus and I think a BM- BMW. I, I I couldn't catch the decal. But yes, but I the good people are driving Lexus. Priuses. They probably had a dealership that let them use them. That's literally that's probably the case. But yeah. you have to mention how awesome Priuses are. In all fairness, <laughs> Priuses are nice cars. I'm not gonna get too mad at the movie for that. But no, yeah, we've since, got. Yeah. Since we need to actually rip into the trial, and I don't want to distract too much from it. Let me list all the things this movie gets wrong about my hometown. Yes, do. Okay, let's start off by saying the things it gets right. First of all, there are those gorgeous shots of the bridges, which <laughs> are which I frequently which I frequently go walking on. I take Lola sometimes, and I go walking on them. And Amanda and I go walking on them, so that's nice. There's the uh, constant shots of um, you know the shots of Little Rock itself, the overhead shots, the helicopter shots, which are beautiful actually. And mm-hmm. make the town look very nice. I, I actually appreciated that. Uh, there's a quick shot of one of the trolleys in the background of a shot. That was kind of nice. 
there's a at one point uh, the reporter interviews uh, Robertson girl at a uh, restaurant, and it's uh, the fold where Amanda had her bachelor par- her bachelorette party. So that was cool. Here's the things it gets wrong. Deep breath. Um, okay, first of all, Brooke is established as living in uh, a neighborhood that I recognize. It's the Overlook neighborhood, and uh, at the which is um, located not far from where I live, which Albert knows where that is because he's been here recently. Yes. That uh, she then we then see that uh, she goes to school at uh, they call it Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. High School. It's Benton High School, which we know it's Benton High School because there's a Benton Public Schools bus that they didn't bother to um, composite that shot. Now, did they? <laughs> nope. Complete with a. I've been in Benton too. Yeah, Benton's a nice town. I, I I have a lot of love for this area. Look, I love my my home area. So there's that. Let's see the courthouse that the movie shot at. First of all, it's a composite of several buildings. By the way, Thomas, did they do like Photoshop work? Did they do composite work? Uh, did they at least mention that to like make the area around the courthouse like greener and all of that? Uh, they they showed uh, the compositing of the crowd shots. They showed some compositing within the courtroom itself. Yeah, because there's a lot of those shots that do not match up. And, and I mean, look, there's really nothing wrong with this. It's just hysterical to me to see it because the geography is bad. I know that people do this all the time. Like the overhead shots of the uh, Capitol, which is actually what they use for the exteriors of the courthouse. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm is the Capitol building of Arkansas. Yeah, those big metal doors, that's the state capitol. That's not a courthouse. That's kind of, you'd think... (sighs) No, like, I know it's not recognizable to uh, anybody outside of Arkansas, but it's still recognizable to exactly one-fiftieth of the population. Yeah, it's still recognizable, it's still clear, it's still obvious. So there's that problem. That, you know, it, 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 so all of those locations are wrong. Again, there's the aforementioned fact that this movie gets everything wrong about uh, how this would actually go down. Uh, but that's another story all to itself. So, yeah, the geography in this movie is all kinds of wonky and hysterical. And, yeah, yeah, the, the shot where they've like, it's pretty obviously bad cg that they've done to like make the courthouse area look more isolated because actually if you look at overhead shots there's a little bit of green space but not much but this depicts it as having like sweeping fields of green space around it it's like no no it's (laughs) right in the middle of the city wow yeah but it's to make it all seem more epic and yeah the the crowd shot compositing is pretty bad too Mm -hmm. so anyway Let's get to the trial because we've got so much to tear into here. First of all, what is there even really any attempt by the prosecution at a prosecution? Because they don't put much of an effort up. No. They don't. And he even what makes it worse is he even talks a big game about it, like, oh, I'm gonna take you guys down. He's a terrible prosecutor. He is. He's terrible. He's kind of a bully. Like the only witnesses that he calls are her, uh, her coworker, uh, who is who? By the way, another local actress, another local name, um, who was in Sling Blade, which breaks my heart, Aww. And, and October Sky. Aww. <laughs> I don't have to say watch those movies instead, but seriously, watch those movies instead. Yes, those are great movies. 
I love both of those so much. This is, you know, this does not even deserve to be mentioned in the same breath. So there's that. Then there's the principle. By the way, let's point out, by the way, that all of that there are two authority figures in this movie who are played by black actors. They are the only black actors in the movie. Yeah, Ernie Hudson, who plays the judge. Poor Ernie. You pay him, he'll say it. Yeah. You're forgetting about the other half of the biracial. Oh, yeah, biracial. Yeah, that's right, that's right. That's right, that's right. So there's three. Two of them are in in positions of, well, three, because ministers count as positions of authority. Yeah. Otherwise, (laughs) there are. Otherwise. (laughs) No. (laughs) Still no. I'm going to count. I count them. I count them. Yeah, I mean, on the surface, yes, but... um... Not legal authority, but they're, 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 there's respect that they yeah. at least usually have. Plus, the thing is, usually. I believe this. The thing, though, is this guy, I would believe, would actually get respect, though. That's the thing. Like, like, I, like he's such a likable, nice guy that I suspect he would probably be respected within his community. If he was ever in it, not hanging out with his buddy. By the way, side note, because the movie does, unfortunately decides to hard code this movie as being set in Arkansas, them shooting it, them driving to Disneyland is hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you let's, would let's, fly there. Come on. Yeah, you you would. But but anyway, getting back to getting back to this. So, okay, that's it. He calls two people. Does he call Brooks' parents? I don't even think he does. No. Does. No. no, Brooks' parents just sit in the courtroom and provide reaction shots. Mm-hmm. Brooke's That's mother, it. by the way, Brooke's mother is played by the voice of Hot Girl from Justice League. So, oh my and, god, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Brooke, yeah, Brooke's mom is also the mom from uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, which was, I'm choosing. Yeah, I'm choosing was, to. I'm choosing to reference things I like. Okay, I'm I'm referencing things that I know. <laughs> yeah, and I think they also they cut to keep cutting to them for reaction shots. They and have they... no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Yeah. No, wait, wait. Her, I, I forgot her dad was called as a witness. Okay, but that's it. And yeah, they don't that's even it. really, and they don't even really get, oh yeah, the dad's called, even though, you know, because again, men. But they keep, uh, they keep showing reaction shots of the same juror. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of baffling. It's like, who will bear who will bear no bearing on the plot. It's just like, that's just it. This movie just keeps doing this. Like it keeps, I don't know. It's so weird that way. Um, so he, as a prosecutor, he's pretty pathetic. He doesn't bring up any points of law. He doesn't bring up any arguments that are actually relevant. It's just, well, she did this, but you know, we can't really confirm this. So he basically presents no reason for them to prosecute. Now let's talk about the defense, shall we? <laughs> let's. The defense's argument is Jesus existed. Mm-hmm. Which they only they only get to that uh, at Melissa Joan Hart's revelation, like maybe three quarters of the way through the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they call a couple of writers in who have written books on the subject. One of whom I've actually read some stuff by uh, Lee Strobel. I was going to say those are probably real authors, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I I like Strobel's books. I've got, I got no gripe with them. Um, They're good books. They're, they're, 
Strobel's books, um, they're biased and they're very, they're very irritating if you actually care about research. <laughs> but they're not bad. They're not bad. I, I've, I've got no gripe with him. He's not. He's he's at least not biased. Or I mean, he is biased, but he's at least not bigoted. Right. So, so this entire argument is that if they can prove Jesus existed, here's the problem with that. That's what's called a good old fashioned straw man argument. You see, nobody actually. I've, very few people actually argue the historicity of Jesus' existence. That's considered pretty settled by most people. Most people that I know, even my most diehard atheist friends, think that at least he existed as a person. There's good, hard historical evidence for that. So this is all a straw argument. It's an, and that's something that is a trope in Christian works over and over again, which is they set up arguments that they can win. Yeah, the original God's Not Dead was one of those. Yeah. It's just they set up arguments that they can easily win rather than arguments that they can actually prove. They set up these safe, familiar arguments that they can just, you know, so that they can come out looking like the victors. This is a dramatic fallacy, to say the least. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's Tom's entire argument. By the way, he's supposed to be a deadbeat, low-level lawyer... And yet he spends all this money hiring these guys who could not be cheap witnesses. No. No. Oh, God. I mean, Strobel's a best-selling author. And also, would both of these authors theoretically be living nearby in Arkansas? For No, the novelization actually does. This is one plot hole that the novelization actually does paper over and explains that he pays for them to fly in. Uh, mm. Because plausibility... That's right. Yeah. Wow. Oh my. Uh, you mean the lawyer who uh, uh, doesn't have much under his belt and does not wear a suit? Yes. He's or, established as having enough money. He like borrows the money or something from. I don't know. Yes. So yeah. So that's his entire defense. This is the Chewbacca defense. I thought of that during the film. <laughs> Why would a Wookiee, an eight-foot-tall Wookiee? want to live on indoor with a bunch of two-foot-tall Ewoks. That does not make sense. But more important, you have to ask yourself, what does this have to do with this case? Nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, it has nothing to do with this case. It does not make sense. If Chewbacca lives on indoor, you must acquit. Yeah, that does not make sense. But what doesn't make sense? But when you get right down to it, both sides are playing the Chewbacca defense. Because this case cannot actually be argued on its merits. At least it can't until one character decides to screw everything up for everybody. Because when Brooke comes in and demands to testify, she actually gives them actionable evidence to make a decision. Yeah, like the scene where she just bursts in the, in the courtroom went from zero to a hundred pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Like... Let's be clear that in real life, this would never happen. Mm -hmm. Actually, you actually actually that could be the catchphrase for this movie. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, in real life, Judge Winston would have never allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. But you know, because this is a movie, she does get to go in and testify, mm -hmm. and she winds up sinking Grace's case. Yeah, at least that's how it would be in real life. Because in real life, she does reveal that yes, it turns out. She has been talking to Grace outside of school. Mm -hmm. She has been. And that's when I developed my headcanon about this movie. 
Yeah. Yeah, you briefly mentioned this in the chat. Yeah. So let's get offensive for a moment. My headcanon about this is that Grace was grooming Brooke. Yeah. Grace was just cut off before she could fully pull it off, but she was grooming Brooke. That's what was really going on here, because that's really kind of how their scenes wind up playing. And by the way, the novelization makes that even more explicit. (laughs) Because when you get right down to it, take all of like the religious elements out. Doesn't this feel like an inappropriate teacher-student relationship? It kind of does, yeah. Yeah. They should not be hanging out outside of school. Just, it's just like, it's just like, have you, either of you seen British to Terabithia? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That the whole Zoe Deschanel is the teacher, and like she like takes taking him, him on the field trip, like on yeah, a that... personal field trip. It's like uh, that yeah. would never happen. In all fairness, it's supposed to be implied that she might not be exactly the best teacher in the world. In that case, at least. Right. At least that's how I read that. Well, uh, to be fair on that, uh, Grace isn't exactly the best teacher in the world either. Yeah, but that's the thing. At least with Bridge to Terabithia, we're supposed to think that. We're supposed to think there's something off and wrong about it. Especially because that field trip winds up having some hellish consequences. It does, yes. (laughs) Oh, remember when people thought that was going to be a softer movie of the book? (laughs) No. Oh, see now I, I keep thinking about better movies now. Though that's the problem is now we're thinking about better movies because that's a better movie than this. Yeah, it's a way better movie than this. So yeah, so Brooke gets up there and basically sinks her, her the case by revealing that yes, Grace had been mentoring to her. At that point, if this ridiculous trial had gotten that far, the school district would have immediately moved to settle. Yeah immediately they would have immediately been like okay you're fired because you have definitely violated public conduct codes of conduct mm-hmm. it would have been over that would have been the death of the that would have been the death of the trial immediately mm-hmm. but it's not by the way this no. is the only time that we see ray weiss actually being a prosecutor this is true. yeah and it's to grill a 16 year old girl yeah miss Raleigh. Do you like Miss Wesley? Yes. Would you say she's your favorite teacher? Yes, absolutely. Do you think Miss Wesley likes you? Objection. Speculative. Your Honor, it speaks to the state of mind of the witness, if not Miss Wesley herself. I'm going to allow it overruled. Who may answer the question? Yes, I think she likes me. Uh huh. Do you think there's any possibility that in answering your question, she may have tried to share some of the ideas of her faith, a faith that she holds most dear. N- uh, no, not at that moment. Not at that moment? You mean to say that there were other moments in which she talked to you about her faith? Yes, but it was outside of school and it was only one time. Move to strike. Your Honor, this is irrelevant. No actions off the school campus are at issue here. Denied. Miss Kane seemed to have found a loose thread. I'm inclined to let him pull it. Again, knowing what he did with Amanda Palmer. Laura Palmer. Laura Palmer. Yeah, Amanda Laura, Palmer yeah. is a very different person. <laughs> yeah, oh, damn it, you're right. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah, she, she's the woman who 
yeah, yeah. yeah. She's uh, the, the visual. She's uh, Amanda Palmer's the visual artist who. Uh, yeah, yeah, Laura Palmer. Yeah, knowing what he did to Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. Ugh. Oh, yeah, Gunji. That's, that's just. Ugh. Yeah, again, I hate that he's so good in this movie. It really is frustrating how good he is in it, because he just makes the film so much better than it has to be. So yeah, so he grills her. And then, of course, you know, and this leads, Tom, this leads to our third act where everything is in chaos. And I'm telling you, uh, you know, Pastor Dave, who can we just, by the way, make it clear that the only reason that David A.R. White is back in this movie is because if you look at the uh, credits on who runs Pure Flicks, that answers it. Yeah. Yeah. David A.R. White actually runs the company. Wow. Which, by the way, I want to point out, I actually don't mind him in it i i don't actually mind that he's back in it because i at least liked his character yeah he he's yeah, like he decent now who who is this again pastor uh, dave. the white half pastor white dave half. runs pure flicks yes he does holy yes, shit yes he does yeah he co-founded it and he uh I, I believe he actually still is in charge at it yeah yeah that is too bad because yeah, every time I see his character, it's like, you are a likable guy. What are you doing here? And that's the answer. That's the answer. And, and I, 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 he's he's at least likable. Like, I, like, really, if the movie had just been a spinoff about those two guys, it would have been fine. Yeah. I might have even liked it, honestly. Yeah. Because they're likable guys. But I'm telling you, instead, we have to get this retread of the first movie and then it gets into the and then it gets into the climax where we see what Tom's grand strategy is. And by the way, the novelization goes into more depth on what he's planning. Uh, beside, yeah, he's likable. Besides the fact that he um, straight up lets a guy die in the first film. Yeah, aside from yeah, that, aside from that. <laughs> but anyway, this 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 movie, this 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 movie. So anyway. He doesn't that's, let anybody die in this one. That's what he should have been arrested for at the end. <laughs> you know what? That would have made a better sequel. That would have made... There. Yes. There yes. Been your perfect yes. sequel. There you go. He's arrested He's arrested for negligent homicide. Yes. And the movie is all about how he has to defend it on the grounds that I was trying to uh, preach my faith. <laughs> that would have been legitimate. <laughs> there we have there we have we've done a better job but again I, my theory is that this was an unrelated movie that got reworked because they realized it would make more money as a sequel right this so anyway tom goes into his grand strategy by the way there is the idea that grace and brooke can't talk which really underlines my theory <laughs> Because yeah. let's point out, by the way, there is no romantic subplot between Grace and Tom that you would expect. Yeah. Which makes more sense if you consider that, you know, Grace doesn't, that's not the direction Grace heads. Again, novelization changes that. There is a romantic subplot in the novelization. Well, it's like in the movie when he shows up, when the lawyer shows up to her house with Chinese food to, quote, discuss the case, uh, suddenly... Let's get on, started running in my head. Brought a giant bag of Chinese food and a briefcase full of files. I say we eat first. I've been really 
and no, nothing about that scene plays like that. Though the novelization actually does make that, does make it that way. Really, which is what's so bizarre about it. It really is bizarre how much the novelization reshapes this into an entirely different work. Uh, the novelization actually brings back several characters from the first movie that aren't in this one. Like, like um, Radisson's girlfriend shows up in a scene, though she is referenced briefly. She does get a very quick reference. And uh, Dean Cain's character shows up in a scene, which it's a shame that didn't happen. I would have actually enjoyed that. Yeah, but here's the thing. You can get Dean Cain and Melissa Joan Hart in in a Hallmark movie that's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm going to not watch that. <laughs> it's like I, the I, both worlds of the God's Not Dead universe. I have a theory that the only reason that uh, a cancer girl, that cancer blogger is in this film is so they can fit in the newsboys. Yeah, yeah. that's probably, yeah, because they're back for two scenes. Yeah, yeah. Two, two or three and scenes, like, yeah. Yeah, like, how does she have the newsboys on her phone just, like, casually? Yeah. Because the first person I want to tell that my cancer is in remission is automatically someone headlining a Christian band. That's right. Mm. Yeah, that's the not first Not my parents, person. not my close friend, somebody in a band. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, with the... When uh, we found out that Lola was coming, the mm. first person that I called was, was I don't know. I... <laughs> Actually, the first person I called in all seriousness was my father. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but here's the thing. If you had been like the, but you were like second or third, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You were actually second or third because, you know, trusted confidant and all. But no, in all seriousness, uh, one of the, you know. And and really, father best friend is pretty much the logical order, I think. Yes. But anyway, like it would have been like if I'd like you know tweeted someone that I'd had one or two interactions with on Twitter about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what it would have been like. It, it's just that weird. I don't know. It's this is a weird movie. God, such a weird movie. So yeah, the Newsboys are back, basically just so we can get uh, a new song from them over the credits, and along with the old one, of course. Along with the old one, of course. Yep. But anyway, so Tom goes in, and his strategy is that he puts Grace on the stand, and then grills her in this ridiculous defense, and this just this ridiculous. Ridiculous speech. I did not quite get his logic, and I did not get why how they won the case based on that. I have no idea. It is the most Chewbacca defense I've ever seen in a movie. Matthew McConaughey's defense at the end of A Time to Kill makes way more sense. He he literally plays devil's advocate. <laughs> He's like, well, if then maybe we should lock all Christians up. I basically this movie just flings you down the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. It is. The most bizarre, and that's when it really clicked with me. This movie is a persecution complex fantasy for people who are the persecutors. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is. It is a persecution fantasy for people who are doing the persecuting. Mm-hmm. Oh. They want to think that they're the ones that are being hurt. They want to think that they're the ones that are suffering. After the first movie, I cannot believe that the... that. Uh... Ray Wise's speech. I could not believe his speech to the uh, uh, to the jury, like his opening statements about 
this comment about uh, Islam. Yeah. I could not fucking believe that. Now, let, let me put it this way. I, I don't mean to offend anyone who may be a Muslim here, and I do not want to slight the prophet of Islam, but if you were to ask me a question concerning the Quran, the sacred text of Islam, and I could come up with the answer with great speed and accuracy, and I could quote the proper surah or chapter, then it would be reasonable for you to infer that I was not only a follower of Islam, but that I considered it to be superior to all other forms of religion. <sighs> oh, you don't want to offend Muslims, do you? Huh. After the first movie, you don't want to offend Muslims. That is rich. Yeah. <laughs> this movie plays it. Let's be clear. This movie plays it way safer than the first movie. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's trying to do so so that it can appeal to a more mass audience. Yeah, this, this, yeah, this, the thing about this movie is, is less scathing than the first one. Like, I still hate the first one, The Burning Passion, just because of its toxicity. This one is way less toxic, but it's also, it's also worse in how ridiculous it is. This year, I, I've seen several bad films, and right now, at, at the top of my list, it's a tie between this and Danish Girl. Oh boy, do I have a fun statistic, by the way, which I will bring up at the end of the cast. Yes. Like, I've I've seen Me Before You, and I've also watched Crash for the first time. And I'm genuinely surprised Crash did not end with a Newsboys concert. <laughs> Crash, <laughs> Crash feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Or it should have ended with, like, some liberal equivalent of that. Maybe a Green Day concert. Right. Because Crash is, let's face it, Crash is the liberal, Crash is the liberal God's not dead. Yeah. I still have not seen Crash. Congratulations. And you know, I be glad because I saved you from ever having to watch it. Yeah, you even said, just please never watch this film. <laughs> but I'm serious. Crash is the liberal God's not dead. And it's just as bad. Yeah. Hell, it's worse. In, it's worse in some ways, and yet it won best pic. And yet it won best picture because reasons. Yeah, because it was the safe film for that year. Because it was the safe film, ignoring that you know, of course, the prestige film uh, with the quality actors and uh, the script from the writer of Lonesome Dove wasn't the safe film. Mm -hmm. You know what? Brokeback Mountain still looks just as good now, if not better. So yeah. anyway, but anyway, getting off track. So, yeah, so Tom gives so he just basically that's his entire defense is if we prosecute her, we're going to have to prosecute all Christians and Christian belief is dangerous. Is that what you're saying? He's basically daring the jury to find Christian belief dangerous. Well, you know, if you want to make that argument, there is a little thing called the Crusades. Yeah, there's there's a little thing called that. There's a little thing called uh you know, there's a little thing called abortion clinic bombings. There's a little thing called, you know, Dylan Roof. There's a little thing called, believe me, if this movie wants to have that argument, we'll have that goddamn argument. This, if, if, if this movie wants to go there, we'll go there. Let's all roll up our sleeves. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> Gay conversion therapy. Uh, you know, Pulse nightclub shooting. Need I say more? Yeah. If this movie wants to go there, we'll go there. Mm -hmm. You know, just these 
And that's not even getting into the waves upon waves. I think every single one of us knows some gay person who's been ostracized from their family because of their beliefs. I sure as hell do. Yep. Yep. See, this is normal. This is common. Just the emotional violence that hardcore right-wing fundamentalist Christianity can bring upon people. Yeah, this movie wants to go there. We'll go there. And we do want to distinguish. Uh, I'm Christian. Uh, I'm pretty sure that... I don't know how you guys identify, but yes, this is speaking from that viewpoint. Yeah, we're talking... I'm not talking uh, about, you know, I'm not talking about biblical Christianity, to be clear. That's what I want to be clear about. I'm not talking about biblical Christianity. We're we're not talking about canon Jesus. We're talking about fanon Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, Fanon, fanon Christianity, which is how I view this, you know, the Jesus of the Gospels who was like, just love each other. Just be nice to each other. I love that guy. I also want to make one other thing clear about it becomes apparent. Like I, one of the, one of the soundtracks that is currently on loop in my, uh, uh, in my listening is uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. One of the things about the Gospels that that kind of brings out is just how much, how much of the Gospels Jesus spins going, Look, really, let me just, let me repeat this again for you. You guys are mm-hmm. just, uh, like being frustrated with everybody. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, and, and that's what this, that's what this movie leaves you feeling. But anyway, yeah, Grace does get found not guilty. Though again, during the trial, we really find out stuff that really should have sunk her and found her guilty. Mm-hmm. Because reasons. Yeah. But, uh, my and question she- is. And I know this is going to piss you off, Austin. What does Mike Huckabee have to do with any of this? <laughs> because he agreed to be in the movie. Believe it or not, I don't even consider Mike Huckabee as having being in it for any connection to the state. Because he's well known for the fact that as soon as his term ended, he ran. Mm-hmm. He ran from here and tried to get on the national scene. Uh, Huckabee... Yeah, Huckabee's not well-liked in the state because of how hard he decided to go chasing glory and fame. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I... Yeah, we, 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 don't like, we don't like Huckabee much in, the, in, in here. Uh, you don't heart Huckabees. No, we do not. Well, <laughs> to be fair, Indiana really doesn't heart Pence either, so... No, no exactly. <laughs> we, we, love, we love Bill Clinton, though. We claim the hell out of Bill Clinton. I'll tell you that. You have an entire library after him. Yeah, yeah. We we claim Bill Clinton. We don't claim Mike Huckabee. Um. So yeah. So there's so there's that. This just and then the movie, it ends. It just kind of ends. Yeah. Pretty much until like, the yeah. End. Until the post credit scene. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I noted was uh like right after pastor dave leaves with appendicitis one of the protest signs you can briefly see is pink floyd related yeah it it has the prism from dark side of the moon and the guy the protest slogan is hey preacher leave our kids alone oh god i did not even catch that 
it it's like briefly on the left side of the screen. It shows up again later on in the film, but I didn't notice it until the third time. And, That's I noticed it on the first viewing. And yeah. like when I saw it, I'm like, I'm like, wait, wait <laughs> a second. Mm-hmm. Also, the Martin's subplot, his father shows up in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, wait. Something that I didn't get into on the first movie, but really should have gotten into. His father has a damn good reason for feeling how he feels. Yeah. If it got out that his son was religious, he would lose his position in uh, the Communist Party. It would destroy his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that that plot ends with him going to Pastor Dave and saying, hey, I want to go to China and be a preacher. Well, You're going first, to ruin- of all, first of all, Martin isn't really converted yet he needs to go through rcia or some other like take a catechism class i mean i'm surprised yeah. dave did not recommend that when he showed up with all those questions yeah with 100 <laughs> with 140 questions 147 147 what, yeah whatever who cares <laughs> but he needs to go through the full rights of christian initiation first yes then he has to go through the seminary yes it's going to take a while for him to become a pastor and then go off to china yes to do the lord's work it's not just something instantaneous which was apparent in the film like he barely gave it any thought but i'm i'm telling you that's just because this movie is so slapdash and i'm sure his scenes were only inserted because they're like well, that guy can come back for a couple of days. Okay, that's yeah. enough. That's enough. This movie is just... This movie is just... And it's, seriously, he would he's going to go back to China and destroy his father's life. Happy ending! But that's this movie for you. It, that's this movie for you. Um, there is, however, a happy ending for this movie for us. The first movie grossed $63 million. Does anybody know how much this movie made? 14 million, I think. 23 million. Okay. Now that's still a profit of about four times the film's budget. Yeah. Let's be clear. This was still profitable, but it was much less profitable than the first movie, which only had a 2 million budget and grossed 63 million. This did about a third the box office of the first movie. If I remember right, uh, I think I heard somebody who liked the first film completely trash this one yeah and i i have a theory about why that is i think that this movie by trying to play it safer and cuter and nicer blew it they they alienated the fan base because they refused to be the you know passionate fire and brimstone movie that the fans wanted and so they they alienated the fan base as a result the fans didn't want to see a cuter safer, less hate-filled God's Not Dead. They wanted a much more hate-filled God's Not Dead. And that's why this movie actually... That's why I don't know that we're going to get that third movie. I mean, it was still profitable, but I wonder, because that's a huge drop-off of nearly two-thirds of your audience that doesn't come back. I mean, that's... That's pretty rare, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but... uh... Keep in mind the the setup for the third one would just be another court movie. Yeah, that's another reason. It's like 
we we got our court movie. It was this movie. It was a bad court movie, but it was a court movie. Yes. I just I don't know what what is there really any energy to do a third one? Like I really don't know if we're gonna get one. We might. If, if we are, I I kind of wonder if our current landscape is going to dictate. What's I wonder that I wonder line. that too because because as of this recording, I don't know what our current landscape is. Is the thing I don't know how to read it. I don't know. Um, we are recording this. Yeah, post, we're recording this post just post Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, post Thanksgiving. Just post thanks. Just post Thanksgiving. Time coded. I don't know what our landscape is. I don't know what it's going to be in three months, let alone twenty four months. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. I don't know that there I, I feel like the audience for this movie is drying up. I feel like the bubble for Pure Flix has already burst. Um because I know that I'm not ashamed didn't get much of a release. It, uh, it came to Fort Wayne and I it didn't even come to Springfield, uh, Illinois, which means that which means that we didn't get the video we were all hoping we were gonna get. I'm I'm just surprised it came to Fort Wayne because as yeah. soon as I saw it in the listings, I'm, it reminded me that Pure Flix made a Columbine movie. Yeah, <sighs> which by the way I actually heard was not as bad as we'd expected. I actually heard it was quite a bit better than we'd expected, uh, mostly because the lead actress in it apparently was really good. But here's the thing: I wonder if Pure Flix is starting to see their bubble burst a little bit. Um, I I mean I still expect this movie to do. It, it did well. It probably did well on video, and it still did four times its budget. But you have to factor in advertising. You have to factor. I mean, admittedly, Christian movies don't have the most expensive marketing campaigns. Right. right. I still wonder. You would not surprise me if this movie actually didn't turn a profit. Actually, yeah. well, factoring in prints and advertising, I wonder if this movie actually did turn a profit. They might have lost money on it. Yeah. Well. When it was released on April 1st of all days, we yes. were still in the wave of Zootopia and Batman vs. Superman. Mm-hmm. Which, look, I, I don't hate Batman vs. Superman the same way everybody else does, but um, God knows Zootopia is, a, Zootopia is an infinitely better movie about social yeah. about social issues. Infinitely better. Mm-hmm. Also an infinitely better movie on every single possible level that you can think of um this movie i just i don't know about this movie that's the real truth i just don't know about this movie i'm like I, i'm not surprised that it didn't f- succeed i because it just there's no passion behind this movie that's what it's missing albert you compared it to a dull pain versus a sharp pain yesterday yes. that's exactly what it is this is a dull pain of a movie it like, it hurts but it doesn't it doesn't stab at you. It just hurts. It's just frustrating to be with. It's so boring. And I really do feel like the, the bubble may be bursting for Christian cinema. Um, a number of the Christian films have not gotten wide releases like they like this one. Pure flicks, they're not having the same success. Um, a number of Christian films couldn't even get releases. Um, the Left Behind one had to be a fa- – the Left Behind uh, – uh, Next Generation had to be a Fathom event. Jeez. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like, and I wonder, is that maybe where these are heading towards? Because, I mean, you know, you had the Hillsong thing. that I don't even know if that played Little Rock. 
I don't it know. It might have played in Fort Wayne. I, I think it did. Who yeah, cares? it did. Eh, who cares? Who cares <laughs> about them? I don't care about them. I don't think that I just I feel like the bubble is burst. If this did only a third of the first one, then I think the bubble's burst and it's burst badly. And that's the thing. Christian cinema is always going to be about bubbles. Remember, we talked about the first one way back, you know, the the one the the millennial bubble. Yeah. I think this one's hit its bubble. I think this has hit its bubble. I I I just don't know that audiences plus I feel like as long as these movies keep being the same way our audience is going to care because, because this is really, it's more of the same, but it's watered down. Yeah. Do audiences give a shit? What, what I'm, what I'm thinking is if hypothetically, if they were going to do a third one, they would probably take on something a bit more controversial, mostly concerning uh, gay marriage or whatever, because (laughs) we already have God as a boob man for that. We do yeah. have God as a boot man. <laughs> yeah. Which was USNL for that. Which by the yeah. way, when I when I looked that up for some levity last night after I finished this, uh it's you can't find it on YouTube anymore. I had to go to Vimeo. I, I found it on YouTube, albeit it was some guy who re uploaded and added some stuff to it so yeah. it couldn't be flat. Probably here it, here's yeah. what I think happened. Here's what I would wager happened. SNL didn't have the rights to use the uh, Pure, Fli- Pure Flix logo, logo and they right. did. Yeah. On the other hand, there was something else that was on YouTube that you could find. We're not going to name what it is, but Albert knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yes, yes, I do. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I hope that the, here's the thing. I still want the same thing that I wanted on the first cast, which is I still want these movies to be better. I still want them to try. I still want them to make an effort. And they're not right. doing that. They're not ever going to do that because there's but but here's the thing. There's not any money in this anymore. And I really think they need to be and I really think that what's going to really help burst this bubble is the current culture that we're in. I just don't think audiences are going to be okay with this idea being I don't know. Just this is a bad movie. Just that's that's what I keep coming back to. If there's a third one, we're going to do it. Let's just face it. At this point, if there's a third one, we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. We're going to complete the trilogy, yes. But Thomas, we're going to have you on and do a good movie at some point, okay? Please do, please do, because I, like, I've been through the first, the first cast of all those movies. I've been on the Rain Man cast, and I've been on this cast. I want to do a good movie. Yes. Okay, Rain Man has its issues. At least it was a decent movie, but, yeah. it, ha- but it has okay, some... decent movie. But we need to have you on for a good movie, we like do. a just... really solid good movie. <laughs> we do. We'll have you on in April for a good movie, okay? Because I'm sorry okay. that, but thank you. Uh, just I don't know. I just I'm I'm out of things to say about this movie. Is what it's coming down to. Yeah. I just there's not because there's nothing here. There's no there there to use that phrase there's no there's no value to this movie there's no reason that i watched it there's nothing there's nothing good about this movie there's no depth to it there's no point to it mm-hmm. it's just it's just 121 minutes wasted mm-hmm. and actually i take it back there is one there is one reliable source of religious entertainment that we can get that is still making money good old tyler perry 
Oh, yeah, that's right. But, you know, Tyler Perry's dirty little secret is that he's actually got some level of talent as an actor. He just doesn't choose to bring it to his movies. I watched the, uh, also for Levity, I watched both the Lin-Manuel Miranda and Tom Hanks episodes uh, in full. Which are brilliant, which are brilliant. Yeah. Sorry Night Live and the Black Jeopardy segment on Tom Hanks one is just... Oh my god, <laughs> I loved that. So this is... If I can laugh and pray in one movie, you know, that's money well spent. This movie is just... I don't know. I'm glad... I hope this is over. I hope... But the thing about it is, I kind of don't hope it's over because I love the Brad Jones reviews. Yeah. By the way, that's the thing. Jones has really amped up his reviews since he, uh, since we recorded that cast. That was about the moment where he was really starting to just do full-on cinema snob episodes on these movies. Yeah, because yeah, he cool. he did release uh, if Footman were if Footman tire you after the first cast. Oh yeah. no, it was worse. He did it like we recorded on a Sunday. He released that episode on Monday, I think. He did, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was literally it was so flooring to me it was like i couldn't believe it it may have been maybe a week later but no longer yeah right. no it was it was immediate i remember yeah and by the way the jones reviews of the estes perkle movies are beautiful they are beautiful <laughs> they are like i i really think brad jones is going through the opposite of what doug walker is going through Oh, wait, I know exactly what we'll have you on to do, Thomas. Oh, God, what? When Brad Jones does his Christian movie parody that's coming. Oh, Jesus, bro. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll, watch, we'll watch that. How's that sound? Oh, boy. Because I think that has a chance at being awesome. Yeah. I, I, know, not, I was not aware he was doing that. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, oh, writing, yeah. A, yeah, he's writing a Christian movie parody. I hate cool. About an atheist blogger who uh, gets converted. This movie is a thing that happened. And that's kind of my, that's, those are my final thoughts on this movie is it's a thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing that happened and we suffered through it for you guys. We suffered for you. Yes. That's the way to look at it. (laughs) We're not making any comparisons, but we definitely suffered for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a good tangent to say uh, thank you, patrons, for making this cast yep. possible. Yes, thank you for... Uh, yep. Thank you for finally uh, breaking that seal, as it were. Um, yep, let's, let's thank those patrons now, shall we? Yes, uh, thank you, thank you, Sheila. Uh, thank you, Daisy. Thank you, Sean from No Totally. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Barack. And <laughs> yes, and, and thank you, Nathan. Y'all, we we did it. We got here. Now we have to find another. We, now we have to find another movie to do as a stretch goal. Because yes. you know we did the we did the Seltzerberg. Though I don't know. Honestly, I would have rather watched that five times before watching this. Yeah, that's sad. Um, that at least sad. that had like a couple of moments that I actually legitimately liked. Mm-hmm. This didn't have any. Really, it didn't. I mean, I could tolerate the, the the pastors, but even that was like a minute of the movie, so... Thefilmroom.org, yes. And, of course, the patreon.com slash thefilmroom. That's where we can find y'all, and let's not do this again. Also available on Podbean and iTunes. Yep. Yeah. Till then. You can uh, 
find me on Twitter at Film Spectrum. Yes. As always. Yes. Glad to have you on, Thomas. Thank you. Thank you very much. keys back i know two days of ice chips i'm starving <laughs> i'm hungry as well david how about i take you for a nice tuna melt <laughs> david help yes you're under arrest for what contempt of court you failed to produce your sermons upon court order please put your hands behind your back please be gentle he's just been released from the hospital i don't understand what is he being accused of? You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. Do you understand the rights that I have just read to you? Yes. Sorry about this, Pastor. It's OK. Oh, it looks like I'm going to need you to fill in for me a little while longer. Of course, David. Anything you need. What do we do now? Same as always, Martin. We pray in faith. Thank <laughs> you.